Hi everyone, we're back with the Ask Mike show and we have a very special guest today. We have Nicole Russin McFarlane joining me. Nicole, thanks for coming on. Hello, good morning. <laughs> so Nicole is a film director, producer and actor. We're going to dive into the, the film world. But Nicole, to start with, just sort of clear the air a little bit. Is it actor or actress? It largely depends on whether the person is trying to make a feminist statement. But to me, I don't care if you call me an actor or actress or a ham sandwich because I just want to be working. I'm so <laughs> I don't even eat is, ham. Is that, is that a thing? Whatever. I'm a beef person, so yeah. I don't know. I don't eat ham or chicken or many things. I do like beef. <laughs> but anyway, actress, actor, actor doesn't bat it. You know, I don't bat an eyelash at it. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting you bring up the whole feminist thing because it's happening more and more. That um, you know, there's a lot that's going on that people are labeling as feminist or non-feminist. I mean, it seems a bit odd that that would become popular. Like treating people as people all of a sudden is is a feminist thing, is what it looks like. Well, it's very strange. It also with the market of movies made that are very PC and things like that, many people are not having actual feminist movies made and then they're having movies that are presented as feminist and not quite so. Like one of the things I talk about on my website is Hustlers, the movie with Jennifer Lopez. And I'm just astonished. Like um, this is presented as a movie about giving a name to women in the, I wouldn't say adult industry, but I'd say the nightlife industry. And they're working at this strip club and we don't get to see who they are. And the whole marketing is geared towards men, like clearly from the, the, the commercials and the way it was advertised about J-Lo. And instead we're marketing like, oh, it's feminist. But if it's so feminist, why don't we see them doing stuff? Why do we have a whole story that takes place basically after this time period where we could have just said they were strippers and instead we devote a whole section to it about them stripping and it just comes off so grimy and there's yeah. a way to talk about oh the thing i mentioned in the article if they are so feminist why are they so ashamed of their figures and then instead of taking it off and being like i own my body they are basically dancing and swimwear that you see at the beach it's the, the most absurd thing to me and and meanwhile women who actually have feminist movies are not being given funding um, this movie cost $20 million to make, uh, Hustlers. And for that movie, you don't see where the money went, frankly. And um, for people who claim not to have accepted paychecks, you're like, well, they got paid somehow because $20 million is a lot. And yeah. I would have rather seen um, that broken up into $500,000 films or even $1 million films given to lots of different women with seriously feminist movies than that whatever it was that was Hustlers. I mean, yeah. All the good stuff is on YouTube, by the way. Like once you you watch it, you're like, this is not good. This is not even yeah. funny or guilty pleasure. It's just like, it's boring. Yeah. Is, is there a real sense of us being desensitized to a lot of things that are happening? Like there was a bit of a, a joke flying around some of my friends where a lot of disaster movies are going to have to step up their game now. Like, as of recording this, we're in the midst of COVID-19 and a lot, a lot of people were saying, okay, so Walking Dead, that's a bit, you know, tame, right? Compared to what we're <laughs> experiencing now. And everyone's sort of like, okay, well, if you ever want to make a disaster movie, it has to be something spectacular like Saturn's coming to invade us or something. 
dinosaurs. dinosaurs dinosaurs never could do any wrong you know like and also it's very understandable if there's a giant 3d t-rex you're gonna want to run away from it right <laughs> yeah it, it, it was a bit of a, a funny statement because i was sort of thinking well it makes sense because think about like movies can't be like in between gray areas anymore they've got to sort of delight us in in a particular way now because what used to work no longer does like the old horror films we laugh at now right because it's not as well done should we say as what it is now despite you know doing the best with what they have at the time right so the horror movies of the past were all about people becoming things and that has kind of gone away so actually it's funny because uh, i still think it would be scary that your girlfriend becomes a bumblebee or your girlfriend becomes the swamp thing. I mean, that's scary, but um, for some reason we don't make those anymore. The last one I want to say is Hollow Man, and that's not a really super famous movie, although it was popular when I was really young, but I don't know. Do you know the movie Hollow Man? (laughs) This guy becomes clear. I've heard of it, but I don't know, don't really know what it's about. He becomes clear, and I actually don't remember the story all that well although i watched it again like a year ago and he becomes clear and he just snoops on people and does bad stuff at the office and he turns uh, evil all right oh, <laughs> is, is that like if you had a superpower you'd be invisible like what would you do with it is that sort kind of, of the, they, yeah. yeah they they experiment and they turn him invisible <laughs> i feel like you know what's really funny is um people are always when they interview me they compare me to like every single person who ever existed and it's funny because they were like you know so much about movies and like so and then meanwhile i'm like oh do you know hollow man you know like oh yeah i do know everything about movies (laughs) as a weird side note then like is, 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 is invisibility something that you would go with if you had to pick a superpower no no what what would you what would you go with uh, uh, I would be like the witches, which it was a book what they made into the movie, and the witches um have a money machine, and they produce currency in every single, uh, like you know British pounds or American dollars or whatever uh, from the money machine, yeah. and they run around. They're like totally rich, and then they run around town in fabulous Chanel suits and Chanel handbags and like sleek hairdos, and looking sexy. <laughs> That's what they do. And they're like these gorgeous women who have a conference in Britain and they talk about how to do away with children. It's just like a fun job. That And, and at one point they turn them into rats. Sounds like a crazy superpower. Roald um, Dahl. I mean, if anyone wants to read the book, the only thing is I don't want it to be done away with as a witch. But like say that, that you're the head witch, that would be a really fun job. And you know, like I'm like looking fabulous doing away with children and uh like um looking super pretty and being like you know like hey witches here's some money like oprah <laughs> with the cars but you know like with money from my machine Funny. And because if people okay let me just say this i always talk about money because i want to be a billionaire that's a fact mm. but people say like oh why would you want that and it's like because money is the only thing going around so if i'm a billionaire i'm able to invest and create jobs for people in the way that peter jackson and his wife fran do um i or james cameron and all these people steven spielberg etc and i would also be able to finance films i would be able to have you know like businesses where people can work who are actors who've been discriminated against with jobs uh and and also people when they and, and outside of myself if money is not of value to people people would never be in abusive relationships unable to leave they would never be homeless they would never be too poor to eat so it's like 
money is power. Uh, and, and also you, you use money to buy advertisements for your businesses in which you employ actors who've been discriminated against. So it's like, people are always talking to me about like, why is money a value to me? And it's like, money is everything right after my health needs because I have a chronic illness and diabetes. Uh, everything is like, you know, I mean, to this day, like instead of, if I were a billionaire right now, instead of me complaining about many things, I would be self-financing some films for myself and other people. I would have a huge studio. I mean, I would be doing so many things. Instead, I'm like yeah. begging studios and people like, hey, take a look at me, you know? Yeah, I, I like the whole selfless element as well. The fact that you use it to to help others. I've got, I'm actually diabetic as well. I've got cystic mm-hmm. fibrosis as well. So um, I totally get the whole health comes first and then we have to be able to afford to be safe, right? I think that um, yeah. there's, a real, there's a real need for that, especially yeah. now. And if you have, you most certainly have gone to the hospital. I know like, and in, in, in Britain you say, checked into a hospital we say checked into the hospital in america and if you look at the bills like i saw this i talked to a lady who's a film producer super cool lady and i I went to go talk to her and one time she i had come from a medical checkup and i showed her my bill and she's like i can't believe the amount of numbers in this just for that simple thing you did and he's like yeah that's the truth of this and that's why many people are concerned about money and um she got it right away. And um, I, she's a lady who talks to me about uh, women's cinema and stuff like that and how women don't get funding. And, and, I, and I'm like, oh, yeah, of course, this is the day I'm a billionaire, I'm going to do that and finance people. Yeah, good. I, I like I'm the so way that, that, you're, you're, that you got me outgoing. Your mind works. <laughs> yeah, I'm so thankful to me you got me outgoing this morning because I like sometimes I'm like, hi, my name is Nicole. <laughs> <laughs> love it and what, what i find quite um i guess enlightening and humbling as well is that you've got that gear as well so so many of us sort of think oh people in film they're so outgoing and then you hear stories of like singers that are like over i think robin williams is a bit more of an introvert than an extrovert mm-hmm. even though you would not think that not one bit considering how he performs on stage so i think more than anything, we were able to share a little bit about that side of it. Not, not have to go into the weeds or anything, but do you do anything that puts you in that performer's mentality at all? Or is it kind of like, I have a good day, let's do this. I have a bad day, mm, probably not today. Oh, well, I usually like to keep to myself and then I burst and I like to go to a fabulous soiree, which right now there aren't any. (laughs) I love like industry events and meetups and red carpets and stuff like that. And including if I'm not, like I said, meant I was not photographed in many of them, but from the time I was like 14, 15 years old, I wanted to go out to stuff and just roll up and nobody would question it because, you know, this nice young lady who's dressed very well and has impeccable makeup because I, I would take makeup lessons and learn how to do makeup like all the movie stars. And I would just show up. I don't know if you could do that now. And also I was a teenager, but I would show up like uninvited <laughs> and, um, and meet people. And I was doing that a long, long time. And then finally, I was like, you know, I need to start getting formal invitations for these. So I would talk to publicists in New York and they would say, do you want to come to this red carpet? Do you want to come here? And, and they would just invite me. Super nice people. Um, and I think one of my fears is people not getting to know the real me because they read about me online or they see a picture of me and they're like, this is whoever. 
And actually, I mean, I have bad moments, but I think I'm a pretty nice person. Um, at least, very, you know, I'm from Chicago. And Chicago and New York are this. Okay. You want to hear something? I mean, at least I think it's funny. Go okay. for it. Okay. So what is the difference between Chicago and New York if a taxi driver runs over your foot and he did it on purpose? What's the difference? No idea. Okay. So in New York, the guy's going to be like, hey, yo. You gotta, you, you were best with my girl. You did this, and I'm running over your foot with my taxi. Okay? In Chicago, there's gonna be a different, that's just like an, an extreme New York accent, because sometimes people have similar accents. In Chicago, the guy's gonna be like, oh my gosh, you have a girl on the south side. Sir, I didn't really mean to run over your foot. It was a misunderstanding because I thought you liked my girlfriend, and he's apologetic, but really, he wanted to run over your foot. But we're the same people. <laughs> So. Oh, we're so he like wanted really to run nice. over his foot, but he yeah, justified but like really it by trying to be nice. Yeah, like because we're so nice, and even when we're being mean, we're apologetic because we're so nice. We're Midwesterners. That's the difference. Other than that, we're the same people. Even the <laughs> accents can kind of cross over a little because there's tons of Chicago accents, tons of New York accents, but we are the same people. So, like, I'm really. <laughs> people think I'm. This is one of the misconceptions about me is people think I'm being like fake. And I'm just saying, no, I'm Midwestern. There's even a quiz online, guys. Like, if you can look it up, it says, is your boyfriend being nice or is he just Midwestern? And <laughs> um, it's about this, it's a, it's this parody quiz you can Google. And it talks about, um, you know, like this is, I don't know how this is related to shyness. So I, I guess in a way, like, I'm so used to being pleasant and stuff that people think, like oh she's dumb or she's fake or she's I'm like no I'm just a midwestern and then I, I actually had a an, you know uh like once a year I have an issue where people think like she's being fake and I'm like no I was just legitimately talking to you because I'm nosy and I'm midwestern and in New York and Chicago people were nosy and midwestern yeah. and talk a lot to people once they get over the shyness uh and people legitimately don't want to talk to you unless they really do so I mean, that's me. So when I shut it off and I'm like really quiet and stuff, it's me having like, I want to say like 80% of me is super shy. And then like this 20% of me is, oh gosh, there's this girl online who's like, you're the female Tarantino. I'm like, no, I'm not. And then I was, I was listening to her playback and I was like, oh man, I don't shut up. I am Quentin Tarantino. <laughs> he's, I love him, but it's like, he's naturally outgoing. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then I'm like, I keep to myself, and then I want to burst and wear a nice outfit and go to a soiree. <laughs> it's good that um, you, you do share that because I think <laughs> I think it's more of a more about you know busting some misconceptions about people in that world, like they're always that way. But what mm -hmm. it does sort of bring up a little bit, and you know, I've never really spoke to anybody that could share about this. So I'm, a lot of these are self-interested questions. So bear with me is, do you ever feel like, because actors and actresses, you've got to almost pretend to be somebody else. And then you've got to try to sort of go back into the whole being yourself thing all those different ways of acting i sort of understand it a little bit but do you ever have moments when it's a little harder to be you while you're trying to play a part of somebody else no because everything i've done up to this point whether it's like an audiobook or a little commercial or um you know like 
or be material that I have written or once right in the future. I just don't play it in my accents, except with the exception of a person who is basically me. And that's the movie I'm working on. It's called The Homework's Revenge, Esther in Wonderland. Because and I say in the movie, it's me. And I play myself at the beginning. So, um, no. I mean, I, I don't know if I would feel... Com- and, and also with my like my accent itself, it just fluctuates. So sometimes I'm like, get me the corn. And sometimes I'm like, get me the corn. I mean, it's like, you know... That's funny. <laughs> it's like, it fluctuates with these... The, I don't know if anyone, this is like a schooling on the Chicago accent. It's like your R's kind of like disappear in this old tiny thing. Um, and there's still this remnant of Irish, British influence on New York and Chicago accents. So every once in a while I get back into that. And I'm like, I listened to a recording of myself the other day on a podcast. And then I said something that was like, I sound like I'm from Chicago there. Uh, and I didn't hide it. And and then like, I, I'm losing control of when it, comes on and off but i think i still sound midwestern at least so i like doing things where i do retro accents or british or you know like um there was this thing where i was a spoiled princess and martians take belfast so i did a really high-pitched thing like um a posh squeaky british accent and it was fun um and in the future in the work that i want to do um, I want to do things where, like, this is one dream movie of mine that if I don't star in anything else, like, action, I have to star in these two movies. And one is where I get to be a 1950s screen star. And, like, um, let's see if I can do it. Like, you know, I'm like, oh, sir, yeah, I believe you are fabulous today. And I don't understand well, right. why you think that I'm not. And I get to use it, like, accent. That's not an actual line that's improv, but, like, I would practice the mid-Atlantic and I always wanted to do be a, a 1950s film star when I was a child and I called it being queen of Hollywood because I thought that Marilyn Monroe was the queen of Hollywood with all her friends and they did um, like hair and makeup, wardrobe, writing, direction, music, whatever. And I found out, I was so disappointed when I found out when I was an older child that all they did was act. <laughs> um, Funny. Yeah. And then I put that on my occupation, like to kind of like, it's, it's, I hope people don't think of it as arrogance. I think it's just like a self-fulfilling thing, you know, like on your, your little thing, yourself and your, your, your address book, like, you know, where you pull up your own name and it says occupation and whatever. I put queen of Hollywood <laughs> as my <laughs> <Priceless>. occupation. Yeah. <laughs> to lead myself on like, you need to do this. Don't rest in your laurels. <laughs> so for, for a lot of, people that are listening you know being an actor or an actress and starring in films and being in movies so a lot of people that's that is a bit of a dream come true for most people and it's not something that everyone makes it in is it and a lot of people talk about oh if you want to be in film you've got to go to Hollywood or, or wherever it is talk a bit about that because obviously you see it all the time in movies of I moved here to follow the dream and it's not worked out and waiting tables and it's a typical story yeah. right so, so, so what, one, what's, what's that actually like yeah you don't want to move to uh, like move to the big city in your country or, or possibly within your range but don't move and pick up to Hollywood because guess what everybody else is and guess what in New York everybody else is and um, in New York it's like you go out and I know from experience remodeling like I with waiters and people taking me to auditions that my and I'm not choking when I say she was drunk I had this one agent who was always drunk and she would be like Whoa. 
and give me the wrong address or not send me. So I used to rely on, on, I would like give them an agent's cut instead. And I would have waiters who were high fashion men taking me to auditions. And on occasion, I auditioned for some acting roles that way and I didn't get them. But in some super famous movies that tanked because they didn't cast me. <laughs> it's like karma, right? They all tanked. Uh, you know, I'm being like funny. I try to laugh at things that didn't work out for me. So it's like, yeah, they didn't cast me. Uh, but anyway, back to the subject. Um, when you move to Hollywood, you're just going to be a waitress or a waiter. I mean, or like uh, a secretary. And And if you look at the people working in and around Hollywood, very often they end up working in offices and I call them celebrity adjacent, meaning they are like an, a personal assistant to somebody they wish they could be like, but now the guy's like 37. He feels scorned and jealous of everybody who crosses his path. Like I had a guy recently who was super mean to me and I, and I was talking to a, a film director about it and I showed him his stuff and he's like, you did nothing wrong. For the amount of money you were going to pay this guy in the future, once your relationship built up, you were going to pay him to listen to you and work with you and, and help you. And he, he, you did nothing wrong telling him a single thing. All that happened is he's just jealous of you because he's a failed screenwriter and he's working at an office and you're not going to have his future. So he's just mad. And then you run into that a lot. So like, if you move out here, just know that's your future to the, if you move to America, and you're British or Australian or whatever, you need to be, if you're in Australia, you need to be making it on Neighbors or um, one of those soaps or, you know, Australian film. And uh, Hugh Jackman is going to be relocating to Australia, supposedly, and trying to film more out there along with the Hemsworths and all that. So if they're doing it and they're bringing movies to Sydney, that should show you that you don't need to be in Hollywood full time. And uh, New Zealand and Sir Peter Jackson, who we just adore with his wife, Fran. Um, and I'm like, I love those two. They create so many jobs in New Zealand. It's one of my dreams to film on their studio lot that they're part owners of. We're Lord of the Rings and The Hobbit and uh, King Kong and um, Avatar and all these beautiful films were made. Um, James Cameron lives part-time in New Zealand now. And I, I, I love him. He's like one of my great role models. And I want to film ideally like to grasp some of those two gentlemen's magic um and, and the british film scene i always wanted to film in britain kind of did actually in two films but i want to be in britain more often and and you don't have to move to hollywood because if you do you, you know you can once you're established as a british film star but if you're not already a british film star you have no business being in la because they're not going to use you. You're going to be lined up in a pile of people. You're going to hear the most horrible things thrown at you, very even harassing things that the Me Too movement will not care about because the Me Too movement only cares if you're an A-list star who's harassed. You know what I mean? It's, it's, this is like a topic of such depth that it's beyond, you know, like don't move to Hollywood. It's like you will have no rights. People will tell you the same horrible things that my friends get told all the time. You will be told because you're a woman that you were not at the same level. That's the same phrase everyone uses. Your, your screen play is not the same level. You're acting, you're this, you're this, you're this. And then meanwhile, some guy who's dating the guy at the office waltzes in with no experience and he gets hired or represented or mm. promoted with that publicity agency or whatever. It, it, there's so much casting couch stuff 
so much drama, so much negativity that all I say is move. If you live in New Zealand, move to Wellywood, Wellington. If you live maybe Sydney, like you live in Indonesia, focus on going to London or Sydney, focus on this, maybe make it in, in the Hong Kong market, make it somewhere else and then come over to LA or New York. And, and for me personally, I know I'm talking a lot, but I'm trying to educate the young people so they don't make mistakes. Um, I, I think that there's only like one reason people were interested in me. And that is because from the moment I was very young, I was attending red carpets and I was doing modeling and doing stuff. While I was never to sell Bunchen, um, I think just saying the word, like I was an agency model in New York, you're like, oh, and I'm pretty soon people stare at you and they think you're prettier than you actually are. And you're like nicer than you actually are. And I'm so... Cele- I fall into the celebrity adjacent category of being like kind of being in that scene. So they're like, Oh, she's so glamorous. Whereas if I were just to show up in, in LA and be like a simple girl from Chicago who never went through that, they'd be like, you know, a lot meaner than, and I do get meanness, but people would be really mean. Like, and, and I do want to point out to aspiring people that the mean people are not the famous movie directors, the A-listers, them. Like, I don't know about, some people but the majority are super nice the people who are mean to you are the ones who are failed actors failed screenwriters failed directors and they're just stuck in their jobs as assistants uh or working in office jobs on the corporate side of the business of film business around la or they're not even working in that they're working in real estate or they're working in something else and they're mean like i had a guy who was super mean to me a year ago and he was working in a business that was not even related whatsoever to um the film industry but he was an actor who used to have roles and they dried up as he aged and he got like sour so that's what you're going to be running into i hope that explains it yeah, <laughs> yeah it does i mean you mentioned the whole um, the idea of demand as well like if everyone's there you are pretty much competing with everyone else that mm-hmm. pack, packs up and moves over but that that'll be the same for the waiter jobs and waitress jobs right like yeah there's thousands of people competing for the actor roles lo and behold you're all competing for the waitress jobs and there's only so many i imagine because everyone else has gone there yeah, exactly yeah and then you mentioned the whole sort of, you know, people that have failed are the ones that are going to be the ones that are trying to keep you down as well, I suppose. The whole misery loves company and some of the happiest people I've ever met or ever spoken to are also successful in their, in their chosen field. They're like the happiest people ever. And nine times out of ten, they're also the ones most willing to help because they've realized that it doesn't really take away from them. You know, they're already there. They're already successful or as successful as they feel content with. They're more likely to be the people that are helping you because it doesn't take away from them, right? Yeah, and also like some of the studio directors are the nicest guys you can ever meet. And um, I have dealt with them and talked with them just for the sake of networking because basically a studio director, in order for somebody to bend over the arms and get you tremendous funding at a studio... It's going to have to be not only a studio director, it's going to have to be like one of the guys. So like if Martin Scorsese were to say this girl's an expert thing and pull her and, 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 you know, give her 50 million or in my case, I'll take like 2 million for a movie. Uh, yeah, that, that would be like a day. It needs to be Steven Spielberg, one of them. And if it's not one of them, they have no power. People don't understand what power means. So um, as long as you, you don't 
throw a script at people and say, get this made because frankly, that's rude anyway. They were willing to talk to you and they love seeing that I'm out here promoting myself aggressively and people always know who you are. This is the most amazing thing. So people think that, okay, this, you know, and, and they put themselves in my situation or maybe look at me. They think like, nobody's going to know who she is because she has never made a King Kong like Peter Jackson or never made a Jurassic Park or whatever. She hasn't even had her first studio movie yet, but she just has these, yeah, lots of people watch them and lots of people care who she is, but she's not a studio director yet. And, and anyway, that's not true because people including in the past month there's this guy who's a big director and he was reading what i was writing on twitter and discussing it and then i found out about it and then um and he was talking you know about me to people and discussing my ideas and um you know that's amazing but it goes to show you there are always eyes on you and that applies to any job that you do uh so even if you are like you think you're a minion at a pr firm in london Okay, people know who you are. They're reading your Twitter and you, they, they may have never even met you, but it's like some big deal person. And that person is, thank goodness, um, on my Twitter, it's only cats and I have not been mean to people. But because, you know, like this guy could have burned me and instead he's saying nice things about, that, that goes to show you always be nice to people, be nice on Twitter. So anyway, this, I was really excited that this guy was discussing ideas of mine. And prior to this, um, I wanted to meet this one director um, for, you know, it was like networking, et cetera. And um, somebody else introduced me to him. And he's like, he wrote to the, the, I mean, he had somebody who works for him write me back. Yeah, we saw you on social media. <laughs> it's like, that's cool. You know, that um, this guy, um, and then I love his movies and I used to watch his movies when I was younger and he has seen me on social media and then his staff have seen me on social media. It's like, it's amazing. <laughs> yeah, the, and, the um, world's definitely changing, isn't it? The world's changing. Yeah. And, and, and also, though, I was going to say with that, um, not only are they super nice, but um, if, you know, like, don't demand things of people because even if you're not in film, like, if you want to be, I don't know, a newspaper publisher or whatever your goal is and you meet that person and the first thing out of your mouth is, like, do this for me, that's, like, when, um, you know, if somebody were to approach you on the street and say, like, give me your wallet you know what I mean? It's just odd. So don't do that. Yeah, definitely. The answer's always going to be no. And um, what I find very refreshing is the fact that you're preaching the whole just be nice. I think, yeah. as, as you said, you know, if, if you meet the person that you want to be like, you're kind of hoping that they're a nice person because that's what you think you would be like if, if you were there. And if they're not nice, then you're sort of like, well, I don't want to be like that when I get there. So you're sort of, you're setting the, it's almost like you're giving them like what it's like to be that person. You know, like if, if you're a successful person and you're not nice, you'll, people will walk away thinking, well, successful people aren't nice. So it's like, I like the whole just, be the example, show people that, you know, the best version of you as often as you can and people will get a good positive impression. Yeah. And also I push this because yes, you should be yourself and talk about it's okay to say you don't like a movie, but if you take it apart, like I love, I actually like Jennifer Lopez, by the way, I just don't like the movie that she happens to be in and I don't think it shows her in her light. So here's where people go wrong. So using the example that I mentioned at the beginning of the show, 
as I mentioned, I don't have this problem anyway, because I think she's like one of the coolest women in the world. And I've never met her, but people who have worked with her for like everything or she's bought from them, tell me they like her. Um, so anyway, say that, and, and, and this is a real inspiration because I know lots of people who do this. Say that you're reviewing a movie and rather than saying like, this isn't the role that's going to get her an Oscar, but you can get her an Oscar. Instead of that and saying like how cool she is, she's just not shown in her light in this role because she's J-Lo and here she needs to be a character. People take it into another thing like let's make fun of her and let's make fun of people in this movie. So then they start saying like this person's ugly. This person's this. This person is and all kinds of bad words used against women or whatever. And people read that and people lots of times show either it's a mix of showing off like, hey, look how cool I am. I'm making fun of people. Or they are, um, you know, like trying, they legitimately mean it. There's a, the other day, there was a guy, um, I, he's a film, like a new filmmaker on the rise and I saw he was making fun of Steven Spielberg and a whole bunch of people, including some guys who have social media or at least social media for their businesses. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was going after them in a, in a post. And I, I didn't tell him, but I was saying like, you know, they're going to read that or <laughs> um, if not them, yeah. somebody who works for those companies or there's, there's a guy with a small business um, and I don't think many people realize he owns a small business. They go to his small business in LA and they don't think he owns it. Uh, it's, it's funny because, you know, like it's an LLC. People are not looking up the owner. And he has a, a, like a whole social media thing for his small business. And he hops in there and he reads about what people say about him incognito. So I was just saying, like, you know, he's going to read that. And I didn't, I wish I didn't want to say that because this guy has been kind of jerky towards me. But I was like, you're murdering your future film career making fun of these establishment guys and that's really stupid so you always have to like there's a way to say you don't like a movie or you don't like a pizza or you don't like this like some guys even um um there's a guy who he's not a film director but he's a sports guy and i've talked to him he owns part of a share in a restaurant in beverly hills i say yeah rest beverly hills so when when people make fun of someone online they don't see it like oh that guy by coincidence owns that restaurant i went to or he owns this or he owns these shoes or he you know like and i can be mistreated or run out of town or whatever they they just imagine like i'm gonna show off and make fun of people and you never want to do that in any profession not only is it not nice like it's not cool so when you see these people who've made it you look at somebody like Guillermo del Toro and he's online and he's talking to people and retweeting kids who send him fan art and all kinds of stuff. And he isn't the most talkative because he's a shy guy, but he retweets people and clicks like, okay, he doesn't have to. And he's in, well, I mean, like his bank account and his Oscars and, and all that kind of yeah. nomination say that he doesn't have to, and he does it. And there's so many people who do that and they don't have to. And, uh, you know, those guys are naturally more polite and they were not out making fun of people and they arrived where they are because they never made fun of people over the years. They have openly said that they don't like certain movies, but they never have nitpicked someone like, oh, she gained weight here. She looks ugly. She does this. Oh, he's stupid. You know, because when you do that, that's pathetic. That's just... Yeah, it is. Yeah. It seems like a lot of it comes down to 
personal, I don't want to say attacks is the wrong word, but it becomes not a helpful, I say helpful, it's not a helpful thing, right? Being, being a bit of a critique of a film is not so bad. But when you mention, oh, she's gained weight, or she's this, or he's that, and it becomes mm-hmm. a more of a personal thing, that seems to be crossing the line for me, yeah? Yeah, and it's it's mean, and also pointless. And there's a way to even, like, dish out advice back and forth between people. And I find that people at the top of the food chain are really good at that and how they address things when they're talking to me. And people at the bottom, like I said, the jealous folks, that's not my word. That's another guy's word. He said they're the jealous people. Um, anyway, the jealous people. <laughs> I love saying that Um, because they are (laughs) anyway those people are like the first to rip on anything that you do and they give you the most childlike advice like yeah did you know you could take a university writing class after i've told a person i graduated early from university you should get a university degree well i have one uh i just told you um sexist things like what have you picked up sheet music and you learned about sheet music from film scores well my whole biography says that my music teachers in junior high, pounded film score of music homework assignments, and I did extra credit Gladiator, etc. from Mr. Hansimer. I love Mr. Simmer. Um, and Mr. James Horner, I unfortunately never got to tell James Horner how I loved him. But anyway, people are telling me all the sexist stuff, and they're like, um, you know, what if you do this? And it's like, you just read everything I say. I know you're being mean, or at least you don't want to read what I say, but you can hide it better. Meanwhile, you talk to somebody who's like a really famous film director, or at least ha- has famous movies that are ingrained in pop culture. And that person is like, well, what if you worked more with the internet? What if you were online more? I know you're online a lot, but what if you were online more? What makes sure? And then the, there's a piece of advice I got that's like, know that the even though I know you get sick and you get moody because you say so yourself. And I do. Um, Especially if it's like a sugar issue, I get moody. So the advice was, um, I know you get sick and you get moody, but just try to hold on. And if people in the future, right now, I know it's not your problem, but in the future, they're going to be at a restaurant coming up to you and saying, I love your movie. Can I take a picture with you or at least get an autograph? And I was like, it's not going to happen. It will happen. And when it does you need to be nice to them because those people are the reason you will have a career and you will have money in the bank because they will be supporting everything you do. And it doesn't matter if it's one person where it gets out fast. And if it's a person who's a tourist from middle of nowhere, America, middle of nowhere, Germany, wherever, then that person goes home and is like, guess who I just met? I met this Nicole, the film director of, you know, like whatever in the future. And then this guy was explaining it to me. And in the future, that they will tell half the town. And half the town tells everybody. And pretty soon, someone's cousin in, in this other town in another state knows that Nicole Russell was nice to her cousin when he visited Hollywood. And it's like, it spreads from there. And all these people are going to see your movies. You could do that. Or you could be the person who's mean to that person. And everybody comes back to the town and says, this person was mean to me. And you need to choose to be nice at all times to people. And remember that you started from nothing and not having jobs and and, um, being booked. And one day it will happen for you. This guy is so convinced it's going to happen for me. So I hope it does. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you. so many people, like the minute, I hope you don't, I hope all of this is informational for people, but many people, the minute they have like one little festival film or they, not even that, like one popular YouTube film where they're in a movie 
handing coffee to Tom Cruise. Then the coffee is like, do you want sugar with that? And then they're like, oh, all of a sudden they're the biggest star in the world and they're mean to people or they have one film that people, critics like or whatever. And then they're mean to people and it gets out and pretty soon they're mean to the elders in the film world and the people who work for them and then it goes to their heads. You're not supposed to do that because the biggest stars in the world and in, in the film directing profession you know like um i don't know him i would like to but alejandro uh, Inirito, um if you were to approach him people say he's really nice and i know some directors have met him and stuff and um he's funny and just cool and um you you want to be like those guys who never feel they're above um you know, like talking to fellow directors who maybe don't have an Oscar yet or uh, don't maybe direct 50 million to 100 million plus movies yet. Like you want to be nice and also just for yourself because it feels really weird being mean to people. You're like, that's funny when you're eight years old. You're like 45. What's, why is that funny? Yeah. I, I, I try really hard to talk to kids and young people yeah like listening out there because I know you all grow up and you become filmmakers and I try to document my journey when I talk to guys like you or, or women like you I try to document my journey because there's n- no coverage between like the part where you're aspiring to the part where you are holding an Oscar I'm in the middle Okay. And there's like no yeah. coverage for that. So I try to document this and be as open as I can, like a diary. So someday people can look back in this or they can look at me and say like, oh, that's her before. And that's her advice. And it's true. And, and, and I'm not going to make mistakes. Learn from what she says. It's actually really, um, it's, it's actually really crazy to see what it's like. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when you mention things like, you know, people that are potentially jealous, people that are envious, mm-hmm. people that it's more, it seems like it's more like it's more of a politics thing. Like it's who you know, it's being best friends with the director or the producer. It's, it's all of that. But the sort of dark side of it, if you will, is really dark, isn't it? It's not an easy yeah. place to navigate. No, lots of casting couch problems. And very often the casting couch problems are as prevalent with the on-screen jobs as they are with the off-screen jobs. And you'll find lots of issues like, oh, um, you know, a mandated somebody. Pretty soon he's gone from like, you know, little indie short film music composing to suddenly he's the big time working on a studio project. And then it's like, whoa, oh, oh, I have a good story for you. Okay, so there's this girl. And she's mean to me, so it's totally fine. <laughs> Let's talk about her anonymously. <laughs> she was like studying acting, okay? She never had a big lead role, nothing. And by coincidence, I was with several other people at a hotel. <laughs> Juicy, okay? I was at a hotel like a long, long time ago, so in New York. And I was with this girl who's a model who had, um, you know, like she was not my BFF, but, you know, we, we, we chilled. And um, I was with some other people, like neighborhood people. This is the cool thing about Manhattan. You can hang and in the Midwest. You hang with people who are like everyone. So I was with like this old lady, my friend who's a young, super babe 
model and me and a middle-aged lady and we were in the hotel like ladies at lunch you know it says it's a joke that's me being funny because that's the image of me but I actually was <laughs> and you know like people have this perception of me that I'm just like oh darling oh, I'm doing this and I'm like oh I'm at the Waldorf Astoria and actually I was at the Waldorf <laughs> chilling and waiting to lunch in it and I was like there's this girl he comes arm in arm with a married celebrity mm, GC right yeah and he's they're like making out and they go up in the elevator to the hotel. <laughs> and, and then it's and like, boom, a year later, studio roll. I'm like, girl, I know what, what happened. I know what went on, girl. You, you don't hide that stuff. Mm-mm. <laughs> you know, like, you don't hide none of that. <laughs> I saw that. Sure. And, then, and, and she's in there in the press, like, talking about her role so professionally and whatever. And, and I don't talk to her. Like, I haven't talked to her, like, in so long ages okay like i don't know why she was mean to me actually i barely knew her but i i, knew, I saw her with this guy and it was kind of like and she to this day acts like she just has this wonderful she's not like a you know she's not emma stone or one of those it girls but she's a girl who's working regularly and i'm like i know how you got that don't lie it's okay we were single but <laughs> oh, the guy wasn't but like i know it's totally fine and I didn't recognize the guy, but somebody told me like, "Hey, isn't that bleep? like like bleep?" Like I'm doing like Mr. Tarantino when he bleeps the name in Kill Bill. Isn't that bleep? <laughs> and I'm like, "Oh, yeah." Oh. Isn't he married? Yeah, he's married. And then the girl saw like I think she saw me because they're like, "Why is she running away?" And I was like, "I don't know. <laughs> I'm not going to tell anyone." <laughs> So that's the common thing. So when people act like, I, I call them magic stories. I hope you don't mind me speaking in Western there for a minute because I'm like, oh no, go for I'm it. Like, my, my lady, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm not, I'm going to go back to my lady like charms and use proper grammar because I speak Midwestern too sometimes. <laughs> but anyway, uh, speak Chicago. Uh, so anyway, there's this thing going on that it's like, I have witnessed moments like that where, you know, like I'm at a gay bar by coincidence. There's a guy on a guy, and it's like, boom, there's a job for him in a studio level behind the scenes. And it's like, I was there, but I was just flying the wall, <laughs> you know? And then it's oh. like, oh, you know. And then they have these magic stories, and pretty soon it's like, I was discovered. <laughs> Everyone was discovered. Everyone has a story like, I was discovered at a mall as a supermodel. No, you weren't, girl. You, you auditioned for that agency. I was there. <laughs> And I was there when that day I dropped off paperwork, but go right ahead. Um, you know, you were there at the go-see when they were calling for girls to audition for this agency in Manhattan. But no, keep with the story that you were discovered at the mall because that was just so charming. And then pretty soon little kids, teens, college-aged, uh, university because you're in Britain, uh, young people, youth, who I'm deeply concerned about because I've been one of them. They read these stories like so-and-so was discovered so-and-so was here and this person just flourished in his career because he had a mentor or she had a mentor it's like no that's not how it happened and very often um i've met some of these same people and they're not nice like maybe the invitation got lost in the mail for me i don't know i don't know how you feel but 
there's so many lies and very few people are like yeah. steven spielberg this is one reason i love mr spielberg because um if he's so open with people that he just snuck on the lot at the studio and he was a young person pretending to be somebody who worked at the studio it's so it's such a cute story he's so sweet he was really sweet to one of my friends and he's so good with young people because my friend met him at a party um at the red carpet thing and he he told him all kinds of stuff and he doesn't have to and he just listens um so it's he's so good with i say young people like i'm a match to come young like i'm 32 turning 33 who i'm not young anymore but i imagine in my head like everyone under 40 is young yeah but anyway he's honest and you find other directors are honest and i love that most directors are honest and then you have like the magic stories someone was really impressed with my script no they weren't they were really impressed with your French kissing and whatever. But call it a script. I don't know. I mean, I hope you, you don't mind me saying that because that's perpetuating the lie is one of the worst things I hate. Perpetuating the lie, like the myth of being discovered that doesn't happen anymore. Ain't the 1950s. Sorry, you don't get discovered at a little diner anymore with your little grilled cheese. You get discovered with... um frequently bad things and if you don't want to do those bad things it takes you far longer to make it so try to meet the elders they're not going to make you do bad things i think one of the things that does help in some ways is understanding that that's what it's actually like that's what actually yeah. happens that's what actually goes on behind the curtain and to sort of speak out about it and to share it and to i guess be someone that is against it because surely someone must be keeping this going. Someone must actually, I don't want to say like it, but someone approves of this way of doing things. Otherwise it wouldn't matter. If that makes sense. Like it wouldn't, it wouldn't make a difference whether you got the part or not, unless people actually wanted you to do this kind of stuff. You know, it wouldn't, well, it wouldn't, wouldn't make a part, would it? It wouldn't, wouldn't make a difference. They find agreeing people. Yeah. And agreeing people who, by the way, publicly say that they're in support of me too, they're this and this and this, even if they're not like super famous, it, say they're not even famous at all, they'll tweet like, I support women or whatever. And meanwhile, they're like enjoying the casting couch to get funding. And it's like, okay, just say it. Like, it's better not to say anything at all than pretend to be publicly in support of women and, and, and also of young men. Men frequently deal with this too. Um. You know, it's, it's like, like I told you, perpetuating the lie. The Hollywood story of being discovered. And if only they, more people knew that to be, it's, not, it's like I said, I love using directors who we're all familiar with as examples and also are super cool. Guillermo del Toro, um, you know, others who don't admit it, he's public, so I can say this. He um, mortgaged part of his house to finance his films. And uh, there are people who have enormous credit card debt to become famous film directors because they don't want to do bad things to get where they are. So they finance their films, they do things. I wish more people would talk about that because there's a shame that goes to debt and not everyone is public. They've all done it. Um, yeah. You know, people gamble against themselves in the greatest gamble of all time, charging up who knows what on their credit cards, mortgages, loans to get where they want to be and um 
you know, James Cameron, he was not like an overnight sensation. He was working at a special effects type job, got bumped up by his boss to directing, started from there. Didn't have the best situation. I think he semi got fired from his second job, you know, um, he's public. I love him. He's like, he was a truck driver who started studying special effects, got a job in special effects, um, went from there. Like I said, got bumped up, had some pretty bad strings of luck with abuse from his boss. Not the first one, the second one who was like firing him from some stuff that he didn't do wrong. And then all of a sudden he has this idea for the Terminator and it saves his career. Okay. That's the reality. Nobody has these magic stories. Like I walk into Paramount Pictures and they're like, oh yes, there, Nicole. We love your story. You've never made a movie in your life, but here's $500 million. That's, but at the level of film directors are the only people who are honest, basically, for the most part. Yeah, I, th- I think that's part of yeah. that could be part of the desire to make a good movie as well. Like you don't want to delude people into telling them that they're fantastic if on camera, lo and behold, it's not it's not that way at all because it will affect the, the film, right? Yeah, but like besides the fact like you can always pull a good acting performance out of an actor. Maybe they don't have the right look or the right and, and just be honest, like, you know, say you're not the right look. We want to cast a guy who looks like Ryan Gosling and you look like Paul Blart Mall Cop. You know, just be like, but there's a role for a guy who looks like Paul Blart Mall Cop in this film. You know what I mean? Just be honest. And also, I really, that's one reason I'm so passionate about safe workplaces for men and women. I always say women, but lots of men are victims even more than women and they don't come forward. They tell me they don't come forward. And it's like, I want to have security guards on set when I'm making a, when I switch to live action, so there's another person in the room because lots of things happen in full view and nobody does a thing. And I want it to have people be able to scream or, or, or have rights and, and all that stuff. And I also want to conduct my own castings. Maybe I'm alone in that, but I want to make sure because if I know that if I'm not involved in that casting myself, then somebody's going to be like, you need to take off your pants. Because in, in America, we mean like pants, like jeans. I know what pants are in Britain, but, you know, like say you need to take off your jeans, sir. And I don't want any of that happening uh, on films when I'm a studio level director, whether it's voiceover or whatever. Um, I don't want people feeling harassed or actually being harassed by casting people. And that's a truth that still goes on post Me Too. Nobody cares because they're not Jennifer Lawrence or Orion Gosling. Yeah. Ryan Gosling, you know, if he gets assaulted on a set, there's going to be this big media blitz and he will win in a court case or something. The average young actor is being threatened with lines like, you don't go around telling people or I'm going to make sure you never work. I'm going to tell everyone that you're difficult and, and, and things like that. So there are no rights for the people, the base of the pyramid who are actors or even onset professionals or you know aspiring studio directors they're like no rights yeah it's a real it's a real crazy minefield and you break it down like that you know using phrases like i'll make it so you'll never work again it's not Mm -hmm. it's not a um 
how can I put it? It's not a safe environment to be in when word of mouth can make all the difference between whether you work again or whether you don't. And often it, 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 the people are bluffing. That's the worst part in all this. They're like, like recently I had a guy bluffing at me. Um, he didn't want, I didn't work with him, but he didn't want to represent me. Apparently I think because I'm not like already, you know, John Williams. Or so, or, you know, like a Scorsese, whatever. So he's like, I don't want to rep her. I'm let's not read anything she says. You know, I told him very personal things. Like I was saying, like I was assaulted when I was 22 and that, was due to me not having the right public image. So because of that, I'm so passionate about being a public persona and having a full-time grasp on my PR. And I told him other personal things that were like really hard to, I'm trying to talk about them because, um, you know, I, I, I think the best thing to do is if somebody makes me mad says, don't talk about this, I will, because they help people. Um, I told him personal things and he said I was wasting his time and writing about things that were unrelated to work. And I was like, okay, you're going to collect a huge paycheck if ever I hire you in the future and I'm a big time director and then upwards of up to $10,000 and you can't be listening to what I'm telling you over an email. That's pretty bad. Um, and then the guy, when I, I, I this is one guy I showed a filmmaker his correspondence and explained the thing and he said he was jealous. Um, anyway, with this, the guy was, one of the things the guy said, like, this isn't how you do things in this town. Like, what are you going to do to me? what are you going to do to me in yeah. this town? Like, what are you going to do to me? I'm sorry, you're not a studio head. And if a studio, you talk to a studio head and he pulls me aside and says what happened, I'm going to be like, yeah, well, this guy got mad that I told him personal things about my life that impact my PR views. And he didn't want me to work with him. And, and that's that. And I have nothing bad to say. So when people, and, and that line that he said, it, it wasn't in my situation because... You know, it was a different case. He just thought I was stupid and I'm not, I'm a nobody, whatever. But in many people's cases, when I've talked with actors, models, etc., they get harassed with lines like, you can't do this in LA. You can't just do what you want in LA. I'm going to tell you, everyone not to hire you. I'm going to tell people about you. Yeah. I'm going to tell them how awful you are and you get offended by everything, you little snowflake. Like, you're a snowflake because you don't let some man put his hands you're you're a young boy and you don't let his creepy hands go in your jeans like that's not being a snowflake okay no and and i've even had a case where a, a young fellow told me that he contacted the local police department in la they didn't believe him and i feel that's bad because i've met like really good policemen and, and police women and i hope that doesn't reflect on them but these particular police officers laughed at him and said that's not true because you wouldn't be acting like you are right now. And he called the day of a man assaulting him. Yeah. And, and it was a man who was a professional person and nobody to this day believes him. That's why men don't come forward. And that's Crazy. why I, I, yeah. That's why I want to work to change things because you're awful. I guess you've got to write the line between what are you comfortable with? What are you not comfortable with? And I guess it's so difficult to navigate because if it means the difference between working and not working, you've got to make a decision, right? You've got to decide what it is that you, you're prepared to do. And if it doesn't match up, then you've got to prepare to sort of stop acting in that role. But then if you don't get hired again, then you're sort of jobless. 
right? So it, it's not it's not an easy decision to make, and the whole it's not and, and the whole not believing people that 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 can't that that, yeah. that can't help other people that are struggling with it, can it? Well, if I can say that, it's true that in that case, say you were assaulted, whatever, and you don't want to work with this man again, he will indeed have friends who are probably bad people too, who are in this and they won't hire you. But there are many more people who are good people and they will hire you and work with you. And it is understandable that somebody can ruin your name or tell people not to hire you and try to blacklist you or whatever. But the truth is there's always going to be somebody like a Mr. Spielberg type, the king of Hollywood, I recall him, um, who is not a bad person, who's looking out for young people, and you know that abuse is not going to happen on that set, and you should try to audition for parts, at least with the hope of someday working for a person like that, okay? I have never heard, there are certain people who are just so caring for young people, based on their interactions with them whenever young people tell me about like, oh, I met this person, just met this director, or when people have met me, and they're guys in like 50s and 60s and they're so nice to me. I know like this vibe in my stomach that these men are not going to harm people. And if anything were to go wrong, they would be the first ones to find out. And those are the men who run the world. Okay, the little people, they can be bad. But you shouldn't quit because you have fear in you from a person who's way like the bottom of the pyramid. It can happen and you won't get jobs from more people at the bottom of the pyramid, but you can certainly get jobs from people at the mid range or upwards. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think it's something that we need to keep repeating. You know, it's okay to, Mm -hmm. to share this kind of stuff. You know, I I think shame is going to play a big part, unfortunately. Uh, And also, like I, like I said, if I have a tip of mine is like I said, I had a situation where the guy said, you can't do this in this town, implying like I was doing something terrible and, I'm sorry if he feels that way. Say that he feels that way legitimately, fine. But if if somebody, in terms of whether it's somebody treating you like you're an idiot and then thinking he has the upper hand, which was my scenario, or somebody who's literally an abuser towards you and thinking he has or she has the upper hand and trying to badmouth you, in those cases, if somebody pulls you aside and says, like, I heard this, you share it. Because if you don't share it, the other person wins. You see, the other person will be believed. And frankly, most people don't believe the victim. I mean, they believe the victim when the victim shares. They don't believe the bad person. But victims don't want to share that because they're afraid. So don't be afraid that you're going to be run out of the town. And even if it were like a super, you look at the director of X-Men, it's all suddenly coming out that he was doing stuff with a casting hatch with young boys and, and all kinds of allegations. And that was a huge director um and so for people to say like even people who are making really expensive movies that they can't be brought down they can be brought down and um you know like do as many today perfect example do as many press interviews as you can talking about things so people know that you are not the bad one just like know that it's out there you set the record straight um yeah, that's a good point. I think it's weird because people believe what they hear. So you've got to think about, you know, who who's going to share first, you know, like if if it comes out that something did happen, 
and it's the victim that shared it because they sort of got out of their own way to a certain degree and shared it even though it would be embarrassing or shameful or whatever it is the mm-hmm. chances are you'll be believed right and there'll, there'll be something yeah. happening that'll, that'll help something will get done about it you know because there's such shame in saying that somebody treat you like an idiot like most people hide like most people want to say that they don't want to be seen as idiots like i'm so i'm sharing that most people don't want to say that they've been assaulted on the job or whatever because there's shame and i understand it's embarrassing but more embarrassing is that you don't talk and the other person is believed and villainizes you yeah for sure just sort of processing that because it's not it's not an easy thing to do or to live with you know and um yeah, I just said I had to, had to pause a little bit to process that. Um, Nicole, it's been amazing to chat. What I thought I would yeah. do is ask, is it worth it? Is it worth getting involved? Because we spoke a lot about what goes on, what really goes on, what it's really like, some of the, the risks that are involved. But as someone that's in the industry and is still in the industry given what you know and what you understand about the world is it worth the risks is it worth the lifestyle is it worth the the potential bad that can come of it yeah because you will be able to do what you love and get paid for it and that's the job that i'm working towards that i want to be able to do what i love and get paid for it and also um there's so many role models who change the world with their art so you look at movies like 1917 and Sam Mendes, and he, I think he does a really good job changing the world with his art and preserving history. Preserving history is like one of my dreams that if I could somehow do that and make historical films um, mixed with other things that I want to do, that's beautiful. Um, Peter Jackson teaches us about through fantasy that you have, you know, this friendship and the value of overcoming all obstacles through kindness and togetherness and, and, and you know, the beauty of women because he has this love story in Lord of the Rings about uh, a woman giving up her immortality for a man i mean like you can tell the guy loves women like and also the way he lets his girlfriend who's now his wife work with him in all the films and give her a voice Mm -hmm. um you know like all these people so when, when you change the world with your art that's like one of the best things you can do for the world because i think every single person has a reason for living like i think i do and i think you do and everybody i just i love that and and then you have to figure out what your reason is and i think that's one of mine is is i think i someday have to change the world with my art be a voice for people and also represent create jobs like maybe i'm here to create jobs for people maybe they'll never be famous but i can somehow like put money on the people on people's tables for their children and and whatever if i film a movie that's like crazy you know like because 500 million dollars when i get to be like mr cameron it's like oh my gosh i dream of being like him if if i'm able to make movies at his level and then go like film in new zealand and have people in britain and america because those movies i think are made in like avatar i know some guys who work on it from the la area okay if i'm able to put money on people's tables and make sure that they don't lose their homes because i'm making a movie about blue people i mean do you know what that is that's like that's beyond blue people you know that's like a a movie that's like being a beacon of hope to people and representing something greater than just being a guy who makes movies about cgi rainforest blue people you know they're actually that's a really good movie by the way but 
I see the amazing things he does and hear about his work from people who've worked with him and hear wonderful stories about him and, and uh, some of these other men I keep mentioning. And I feel like people are going to get on me for mentioning the same people all the time, but it's like, that's my right because I want people to know more about them. They're not just the guys who make movies. They're guys who give people jobs. They make people dream. They put stories out there about the rainforest and how we should protect the environment and protect indigenous people's rights. You know, you know, like man versus machine. When is technology bad? Like they put all these questions in our heads and Ridley Scott, like I dream of being Ridley Scott. Um, you know, people who make us dream and see things and question science fiction and, and when is science fiction reality and women doing things or let's remember the men of World War One. Or, you know, like World War, in, in the case of 1917, in the case of Lord of the Rings, it's like, that's a story based on men from World War One. Let's remember them through fiction. It's it's like there's so much more to it. And I want that. And and, and then also to cor- incorporate music into it because music changes people's lives. And Hans Zimmer does that with, he also creates many jobs. His side businesses, he has his own touring. He has like, a you know, products he endorses. He's not just the guy who has fun film scores you know he would have the first music video on mtv he's like one of the greatest businessmen hollywood has ever had <laughs> you know i have to tell him that <laughs> uh it's true and um yeah it's like I, I just gush because that's what i want to do with my life and i think i hope that if anyone is listening to this like yeah there's gonna be a lot of bad stuff but you will find your calling and change people's lives because even if you end up like tom hanks like tom hanks through his acting inspires people or people who are dying of cancer watch his movies and they're given joy for just like two hours because they watched a tom hanks movie like the terminal or something you touch people's lives i don't know how to wrap this up beautifully because i'm not the most eloquent person I, i just don't know words are like i'm an animator and a composer words are not my thing but like i hope I say that. <laughs> Wrap it up in a. Can you say it better? You're British. You're gonna know how to say it. Like <laughs> <laughs> you know, <be> Britishy. <laughs> well, I-, I love the fact that you do have a grander vision for what it is that you do. Like it's not just about the acting. You mentioned Avatar. You know, it's not just about blue people in a forest. You know, mm-hmm. it's about people that are different, people that are outcast, people that are misunderstood, all that sort of stuff. So <clears throat> I really like the fact that you see things in that way. I love the fact that you do want to change the world with mm-hmm. the work that you do. And the, the Tom Hanks example really does strike a chord because sometimes we don't see the value in what we do until we put it in front of the right person. You know, someone who's in hospital with cancer, Tom Hanks movie. Tom Hanks wouldn't think, oh, this film would be amazing for people that were in hospital with cancer. He's going to do his best, right? He's going to do what he can, play the part that he was basically told to play. And the the value is found in people that are watching, right? Do you relate to what I just said, by the way? Like, because you mentioned you have chronic health problems that you were like in a hospital and you are watching something or you want to vomit because you're in your bed at home or whatever and you watch something and it makes you feel better? It's curious that you would ask that because I think that I did sometimes. Um, I spent my first Christmas in, in hospital. And um, it is, it's a weird feeling when 
you are, I guess, detached in some ways. Like now, thanks to the virus, we're all we're all quarantined here. So mm-hmm. <clears throat> just speaking to people is like, oh my God, I'm talking to someone. This is amazing. <laughs> you know, having like text conversations, you're like, oh, yay. So it, there's a real sense of like, we value what we don't have. Yeah, when it, It's a very limited amount that you get. So like okay. in the past, I I used to go out for walks every day. Loved my morning walks. It was amazing. But now we can't do that. So mm-hmm. every time I get chance to go out, like I'm I'm making up reasons to leave the house that are allowed. Right, taking out the rubbish, going out to the shop. If I can walk to the shop, I will because I've got a reason to justify to leave the house, and it's more of an essential thing than what some people leave the house well, for. If I may, so, like I yeah, want, I don't want to keep talking, but as an example. Okay, so I had a friend who had AIDS, and he still has AIDS. He's alive through the miracles of medicine. But when I was, this was a long time ago, he got so ill, he went to the hospital for months before he was allowed to leave his home and spent time at his home in quarantine for months because they were worried he was going to die. And he told me, I told him, like, well, you're watching this stupid show. It's so annoying. It's called What Not to Wear, which you have in Britain, and the United States has its own version. Yeah. And he told me like, girl, you don't, and cause he's, he speaks like I do. He speaks like, you know, a little country. It's like, girl, you don't know what this show means to me because this show is my life. I'm watching CNN. I'm watching everything. The world is going to shred, you know, like he was told me the world is terrible. He had, he did, he like told me he had AIDS. And he told me, like, and it means so much to me that I watch a stupid makeover show. And, and I watch marathons of it in, in my bed as, with this horrible hospital food. And I just see these people feeling better about themselves because they look dumpy and they get haircuts and they get clothes. And they feel it's just the funniest show. And sometimes it's hilarious. And I don't think that I have AIDS when I'm watching it. And that's like, and I've had in my personal moments. This is this is like I'm listening. Sometimes I listen to, as an example, like I'm I'm too sick to like, not now, but I've like having moments where I'm like so nauseous I don't see well. I see well now, but like with problems in the past, like sugar issues, like I, I get blinded. Okay, I don't want to watch a show, and then I flip on the music, and it's like Hans Zimmer comes on. And it's like because I refer to and make references to John Williams, and make references to obscure film scores, and I make references to popular music. And there was this one thing where Pirates of the Caribbean was on, and I was like in my playlist, and it was the one where Hans Zimmer was doing lots of these like super amazing chromatic jumps, and I was like, "There's a there's life, and I can I want to do this, and I need to remind myself that my life sucks in this moment, but it's not going to suck forever." And and that's why I say Eclipsedic. Um, because he means that to me it's like there's more to life like I can have a career and he, and, and he gives me hope that some guy from the middle of nowhere in Germany can have a career so can I With, and, and I'm just like he when you market yourself when you, you um, like the, the people I love people love them more than their movies or in the case of him Mr. Summer more than his music they love them and their music or their films are secondary and they're outstanding pieces of art, but they're secondary. And, th- and that's why I always say I hate how young people in, in uh, entertainment are forced to be products and how people try to push me to be a product um, because people actually succeed and sell like James Cameron. People like him 
not only are his films cool, but they like the story of a truck driver who held up an Oscar and said, I'm the king of the world, quoting his own line in like self-humor. I love him, like I said. Love you, Mr. Um, these miracle stories of people like me, I hope people see themselves in me and I, like I'm not a product, you know? And that's like a yeah. good marketing thing. And also like I hope that point, like you're saying that an illness, like I, I don't know, maybe I do believe kind of based on what people say that Tom Hanks cares that people watch his movies in the worst of their moments. I think he's a good guy. Who would care? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot that can be said for when you are struggling. Very often we can take value from the little things. Um, I I know I've had moments where I I can relate to certain people in certain films at certain moments, but then the other moments, it's like I wouldn't even think wouldn't even think about that you know there were some films where when you're struggling it's like oh that's that's like the position I've been in before Mm -hmm. and so I think that I think when he sort of says that I think obviously it's about giving them a sense of hope a sense of motivation to keep going all those sorts of things I'm sure Tom will definitely see at it from being able to help those people rather than you know being the kind of person that makes things worse did you know that he gave a child a typewriter? There was this boy who was made fun of for being called Corona. And no, I didn't. Corona typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not like a... I mean, he's someone who actually cares about people, I think. Um, I've never met him, but... He's like a teddy bear, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he definitely comes across as like a, a softer guy. Mm. Awesome stuff. Well, Nicole, it's been amazing very enlightening sort of pulled the rug from under a lot of people's eyes i imagine about what it's really like to be in your world what it's like to try to navigate it and i'm glad that the positives outweigh the potential negatives Mm -hmm. how can people learn more about you how can people enter your world and see what you're up to well um all my press clippings sometimes google doesn't show them they're on my website cinemat nick like nic.com and my screen names are all nick russin and i see r-u-s-s-i-n i read what people say i'm like the man i want to be like and i try to read what they say i'm not going to be like an a-hole so <laughs> <laughs> no no i'm sure if people are people are listening to this then i'm sure they will definitely see you as someone a bit more genuine and someone yeah. that's trying to help and has a bigger vision for the art that they create. So it's been great to have you on, Nicole. It's been fantastic. And I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you.